Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. Um, yeah, you know what? Thinking about Tony and Shirley, I... Uh, uh, is awesome because they're awesome people, um, but they're also um, among a host of people who um, who have not been able to be here in person since COVID for uh, health reasons, um, what what have you, all sorts of concerns for reasons why um, they they couldn't be here in person. Uh, and this is just a moment that I I want to take take to say hello to all of the people who are watching at home who have been watching at home for a long time and it's interesting because like we're all here in person and we get this rapport of eye contact and you can all glance over your shoulder and see that there's a whole group of people with you um and most of you know that when you're watching at home you sometimes it just feels uh a little bit uh empty sad i don't know the fill in the blank, whatever word um, fits how you feel. So this is going to be a little strange, but uh, I'm especially thinking of our seniors. I just wanted to take a moment to uh, to give them a round of applause so that they can hear it through this microphone and know that there are people who, uh, who care about them who are here. So uh, can we... Okay, um, so that's good, that's good. Uh, so like I said, my name is Conrad, and uh, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here at AARCF, and um, I am excited uh, to share the word of God with you today. Um, and we are in the middle of a series called Divided Crowd, Undivided Savior, as we're making our journey through the Gospel of John. And our journey today will bring us to uh, John chapter 8, uh, verse 12, verses 12 through, um, oops, 12 through 20, and uh, there you go. And I've entitled this message, Light or Dark? Light or Dark? Uh, and we'll, we'll see why uh, in, just a, in just a little bit. Um, so the, the last few weeks, um, we've, we've been in John chapter 7, and we saw uh, just last week, Greg gave us more of a chat talking about uh, the, the story of the woman caught in adultery um, who the Pharisees bring and, and there's this big confrontation uh, with Jesus. Um, but that story was actually an appendix to the Gospel of John for, for, a, lo- for a long time. And then it was put into the middle of the story. So, so we're actually picking up um, from from uh, verse from chapter seven, verse fifty-two, where they're in the middle of the feast of Sukkot, or um, the feast of Tabernacles, um, which is this amazing uh, week-long celebration where uh, they get to they get to camp, they get to glamp, living in these uh, these booths that they build to remember um, the the passage from. From Exodus to, uh, I'm sorry, from Egypt uh, across the Red Sea and, and towards the Promised Land, but there's this period 
of wandering in the wilderness that the Israelites did for a long time. And, and Sukkot looks back. It looks back on all of these, um, these moments from that wilderness journey. It commemorates them, uh, but it also looks forward uh, to that promised land that they, uh, that they inherited, um, that they could have inherited a lot sooner, but they did indeed inherit that, uh, that promised land. So, so we are still in, in, in that feast, uh, which will be important. Um, we'll see that in, in a moment. Um, but for now, let's go ahead and read. So if you're there with me, uh, this is uh, John 8, 12 through 20. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such a testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where, and where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Oh, Lord God, would you speak to us through your word today, Lord? Would you just illuminate the scripture, Lord? Would you help us to understand, perceive, uh, yeah, I want to understand the Bible. That's great. But Lord, I, it's just a tool to understand you, God, to know you, Lord. So would you draw us near to you today? God, would you help us to understand that we are your children, that we are dearly loved by the Father, Lord, that Jesus so freely calls you his Father, and he, he tells us that when we pray to call you our Father, Lord, be with us this morning. God, speak to every heart. Lord, help our hearts to be open and our eyes to be open. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so, uh, fantastic piece of scripture here. There, there's a lot going on in here, um, but actually I... There was these past sermons that we did in, in John chapter 5 where we talked a lot about Jesus' testimony and how it is valid, regardless of whether or not the Pharisees think it's valid. Um, so I don't need to re-preach those sermons, uh, because you could just go re-watch them. Uh, or, <laughs> actually more accurately, go re-listen to them, uh, because there was this mystical time uh, when a, our sanctuary was flooded by a, a burst valve, and uh, we had to relocate our services to Leatherby's for a couple of weeks and then Rush Park for a couple of weeks. And that kind of falls into uh, uh, those sermons. Uh, and folks, that was this year. <laughs> that was still 2020. Uh, 
but yeah, so you can, you can go back and listen to those. If, if, that, if that concept of, of Jesus' testimony being valid uh, is fascinating to you, there's tons of really good stuff on it. And, and Pastor Greg gave a couple of those sermons. My dad, Dennis, gave one of those sermons. Um, and, uh, and Jesus is basically saying that, you might, that, that me talking by myself might not fulfill the law of, of uh, making a, a testimony valid legally, but that doesn't change the, fa- the fact that, that what I speak is true. That's what Jesus is saying. What, what I speak is the truth, regardless of whether you think it flies in a court of law or not. That, that doesn't matter right now. I'm telling you the truth. Um, and then his little caveat is, and even if we were in a court of law, I'm not alone. Uh, and then also, um, there's a whole nother section of, of Jesus talking about his unity with the Father, about his testimony, about judgment, about um, if you knew me, you would know my Father. Um, the, the next couple of passages that we're going to read in the next few weeks are really going to get into this a whole lot. Um, here, Jesus is talking about his unity with the Father in mind, in idea, in thought, in will. Uh, in these next couple of verses, Jesus gets right into it and says, no, the Father and I are one in, in essence. Uh, and, and so I don't, I don't need to get into that a whole lot either because we're going to get a whole lot of that the next few weeks. Um, so really, there's only two verses that I need to focus on um, this week, and I'm, and I'm going to do just that. Um, the, the first one is obvious, is uh, verse 12, which uh, we're all going to love. Um, but the one that's a little less obvious is verse 20, the, the, the last one here. Because uh, it says, Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come is, is such an awesome statement because it, it, it says that Jesus had a divine appointment that, that what he did was ordered by God, and how fitting, because he is God, so whatever he chooses to do is a divine appointment. Um, I, I wish my life was like that, where just what I did was what God wanted, uh, but no, I have to actually talk to him and, and follow his, his plan to find my divine appointments. Uh, but he's, he's speaking of uh, where, he's, where he's talking, uh, which is the treasury um, which is also uh, the, it's called the Court of Women. It's one of the, the inner courts, this outdoor uh, court area. So I think I have a picture here. Yeah, so this uh, kind of illustrates it. Um, this is uh, the temple of the time, uh, I think I call it Herod's Mount. Uh, and uh, so, so the big building off to the right is, is where we have the, the Holy of Holies, and, or the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies. Um, but, but these are some of the outer courts. And, uh, and right where all those, uh, those lampstands are is um, the, the Court of Women, or, which is also called the Treasury, because it's where uh, the offerings would be dropped off. Obviously, there, there were ritual sacrifices that, that people performed, and that was a huge part of what the temple did. Uh, but also... Uh, there were monetary sacrifices that people made all the time, and they didn't just burn them. <laughs> they, they put them into, uh, into these treasure chests, and they had 13 of them, and that place was called the treasury. Everyone knew where the treasury was because you gave money to, uh, y- you know, it, it was part of your sacrifice to, to give of your money, but also 
It was uh, part of how you paid for the upkeep of the temple, for the Levites to use these funds to, to buy the right supplies and things like that. So everyone passes through here. Even though it's where a lot of money is, it's also where like the most foot traffic is. Um, but it's a, the court of women, it, because the, the outer courts are the courts of the Gentiles, where, where people who are not Jewish but have decided that they want to pledge their allegiance to the God of Israel... Uh, they're welcome in the outer courts, but Gentiles wouldn't actually be welcome into that, the court of women. That's, that's where they're invited. And it's called the court of women because women could only proceed further if they were accompanied by a priest to make a sacrifice. Um, but anyhow, if you'll notice, there are enormous lampstands there. Um, during the Feast of Sukkot, they were um, lit every night, I believe. Um, I th- there's a big ceremony the first night, and then I think they're, they're lit every night. Um, uh, some, some nerdy Bible stuff uh, here. There is a, um, basically a, a, a Jewish rabbi handbook for how to do things right as a rabbi, and it's called the Mishnah. And they have this whole section in the Mishnah about how to do Sukkot right. Um, and they talk about lighting these lampstands, and they talk about carrying up these huge jugs up ladders filled with oil to pour into the top of these lampstands. Uh, and I, I saw a couple of different places. One said it was uh, a nine-liter jug, which I'm like, wow, that's pretty big. And then another place said 20 gallons. And I, I either way, it's a lot for for uh, the youth group. I mean, for the students of the the rabbis to climb up. <laughs> the ladder and, and pour in to these enormous lampstands. Um, but uh, also, there's, a, uh, there's another place in the Mishnah where it says that these lampstands were 75 feet tall. And right there, it, it shows, I don't know, that might be 20 feet, uh, but this picture that I took from an archaeologist's website shows to scale how tall these lampstands might actually be. And there's even a little picture of a person climbing a ladder on the one on the right, <laughs> which they, they wouldn't send anyone but a teenager up there, I, I promise. Um, but it's also said that because they are so tall, when these lampstands are lit, the light, it, there is not a, a, a porch in all of Jerusalem that is not lit. Uh, that, that by the light of these lampstands, everyone sees, everyone sees that it, it's just this glorious uh, moment. It, it is so bright, and everyone's uh, out in their booths. They're, they're in, their, uh, in, in their temporary tabernacle that they built, um, a temporary booth, the house that they built, um, and so all, they're all outdoors, so having these, this light, it, it, everyone sees it, and when, when it's lit, it, it's a momentous occasion, um, and that, that's where Jesus is, when he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is saying this knowing without a doubt that at the end of the night, these lampstands will be extinguished. And he's saying that my light is different. My light doesn't get extinguished. My light doesn't get put out. My light isn't just for ritual things. No, it is, it is an everlasting light. So Jesus makes the Pharisees mad all the time. 
uh, because he makes these claims about himself. He say, says these things about himself that, that uh, are frustrating um, because he claims to be God, he claims to be the Messiah, and uh, if someone just walked in here and said, like, I am the second coming of Jesus Christ, we would all feel real nervous um, because, like, one, it's either true or they're crazy <laughs> and, and need help. Uh, and that's how the Pharisees feel about Jesus when he, when he comes. They're, they're nervous because, one, they, they, it's either he's right or he's wrong. He's either right or he's crazy. Um, and they don't think he's right. They think he's crazy because they, they have all these ideas about how the Messiah should come. And, and you don't look like him. You're from Galilee. Uh, the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee. Um, but we're going to read just a couple of places uh, in, in the scripture that, that shows just how controversial what, what Jesus says is. Um, in, in Psalm 27, verse 1, uh, it says, uh, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, this is the language used for God. God is associated with light. Um, also, in Job, when, when Job is writhing and, and he's looking back and he says, Oh, I wish I could be in those days when God was the lamp of my, over my head and I walked through the darkness by his light. I wish I could go back to that time is what Job is saying. And of course, God says, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 60, uh, Isaiah is foretelling. They're in the middle of exile, and, and Isaiah is foretelling about the future glory of Israel. And he says, Arise and shine, uh, for the light has sh- shone upon you. The, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then later in that same chapter, it says, uh, There will be no more need for the sun to be your light, uh, or, nor for the moon to give its brightness either. But the light, uh, but the Lord will be your light. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. This is the language that's talked about that, that, that God has spoken of that, that He is light, that He is light. Uh, and Micah, Micah, he, he prophesies, he says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. This is, this is who God is. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees know what he's saying. He's saying that he is like God. That he is light, just like God is. And that infuriates them. But also, oh man, Jesus is light just like the Messiah. The, the prophecies that they have of the coming Messiah talk just like this. It's so, it's so cool that I have to turn there and, and we got to read it together. Um, so in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, uh, hope in the Messiah Um, speaking of a time of despair, and he says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled 
with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will, in, will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the, bur- the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the armies of Midian. Remember when Gideon defeated the, the Midianites? That was a big deal. The boots of the warrior... And the uniform bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called, get ready, who will the son be called? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Here is a person who is coming, who is going to be called mighty God. They know this is the Messiah. They know this is the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, I am the great light who shines in the darkness. And later in Isaiah, in chapter 42, uh, verses 1 through 9, he says, Look at my servant, whom I strengthened. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. And he will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails to the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God, the Lord, created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks in the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. You will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I'm the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols, and everything I prophesied will come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. It sounds like he's, he's talking to me for a second, because, because he says, uh, I will take you by the hand and guard you. But then he says, I will give you as a light. Uh, Where did it say that? No, wait. I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. He is talking, and at the beginning, remember, it was his servant. His servant, a person. He is saying, I'm going to give this person to Israel to be a light, to open the eyes of the blind, Ringing any bells? Jesus is light, just like the Messiah is going to be. So when he says this, oh, he's he's not only making claims associating himself with God, but he is making a direct claim about himself as the promised 
Messiah. So whatever he's saying must be really important when he says, I am the light of the world. So what is it that he says? He says, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the most crucial thing we might hear in all of our lives. That if we see this great light, we won't have to walk in darkness. Because yes, we'll have the light, but not only that, this light, will fill us up, will lead us to full life. He doesn't want us to just exist in some world where we just get by. No, he wants, he wants us to experience the fullness of life. <laughs> so here's the question. Do you have the light of life or do you walk in darkness? Because it doesn't really seem like they go hand in hand. It seems like you either have the light or you walk in in darkness. And if we have the light, then why are we still fumbling in the dark? So I, I, here are the options. Uh, one, uh, you have seen the light and you walk in it. Good. Another option, you haven't seen the light yet. You can't walk in a light that you haven't seen. That would just be luck and uh, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. Or third, you've seen it, but you're in the darkness again. And this can happen a lot. I know this happens in my life where I know I've seen the great light. I know that I've been right in God's presence. I know that I've heard his voice. And yet, either I trick myself or Satan, him, he, he tempts me and, and tricks me and says, no, the, the light isn't worth it. The, the, the light, it, it, it burns. You, you, you need to hide in the darkness. You need to hide Shelter yourself. No, no, don't, don't be out in the sunlight. No, 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 hide yourself. So wh whether it's my own choice to, to recede into the dark or whether it's something that's being forced on me by some spiritual oppression, somehow people can end up in the dark again. Right now... Um, I'm, I'm going to turn out all the lights in the sanctuary. Could I get, if I could get a couple of people to help me uh, close the, the doors over there. Um, and uh, we're just going to make a, a difference here between physical darkness and spiritual darkness. Uh, obviously, they're, they're not quite the same. I think that physical darkness does have a good purpose because it forces us to... to pause and rest. Um, uh, but uh, the spiritual darkness does not have a purpose like that. And when I turn out all these lights, there's a couple of things that I want to do. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't want to try to do too much. But uh, So yeah, let's turn, them, let's turn them all the way out. And if you're at home, this might be a good time to turn out the lights too. If it works, I don't know. So first of all, oh man. Yeah, we're going to leave the crosses on that. That's good. Because of the like age of technology that we're in, sometimes we can forget that in these biblical times, uh, light means fire. We looked at those pillars of light, and, and that was from burning oil. Uh, standing atop of 75-foot lampstands. Um, and those lampstands, they represented 
in the wilderness the pillars of fire, the pillar of fire that guided Israel, um, guided Israel through the wilderness. And there's something special about um, the the fire, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm just being sentimental, but this is this is what people are thinking when Jesus is talking about being the light of the world. They're imagining uh, a flame, and that's what he's referring to. That's very important. It's very important. But also, why would I sit in darkness if I've seen the light? Why would I why would I hide? Cuz either if I've seen it before, I've either been deceived, I've been tricked, um, I've been lied to or I've been forced into the darkness. God doesn't want us to live in the darkness. He doesn't want us to flounder around. He doesn't want his children to be lost and dying and stuck. He wants us to know him. But we also have a problem being in the dark. Um, that We have flashlights and we have things that we can point to that uh, give me just enough light to see where I'm going and I can feel pretty good about myself because uh, I, I know where my next step is. So if I have a flashlight, there's no, <laughs> there's no need for the sun. I know where I'm going. It's okay. But a world filled with darkness, um, even if you have a flashlight, uh, nothing grows. <laughs> nothing grows. The, the, the sunlight is so much more uh, than just <laughs> letting you see where you're going to walk. But it's, it's the warmth when you step outside. It, it, it's, the, it's the joy that comes from, from the sun. The growth that comes as a result. But we, we get lied to saying that, that the sun will give you a sunburn. And, and so you, you, need to, uh, you, you need to hide. You need to hide. But this, this oppression that we can feel telling us that, that we, are not, uh, we are not good enough or, or that, that the sun is, is too much, that we are, we are good enough, sorry is what it says. The, the lie that we feel that says we're good enough with just our little flashlight uh, is, is a trick, is a deception, and we will miss out on the fullness of life that God has for us if we live by this flashlight. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> okay, so, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world, but also he says, you are the light of the world. He says to his followers, you are the light of the world. <laughs> this is important. 
Jesus said he's the light of the world. That was a claim to deity, claim to being the Messiah. And then he turns to his followers and says, you are the light of the world. We're more like a chandelier, I think. Um, Because if we are filled with the light, then yes, we become the light. If we have the light within us, then, then we reflect. Sometimes we show beauty through the light that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Chandeliers are so ornate and beautiful and, and crystal, and, and they show you the light in a way that maybe you've never seen before. And we have an opportunity to be like a chandelier. But also as the church, sometimes uh, as a chandelier, we stay that way. Or we, we are a chandelier that even when the light is off, uh, we think we're doing something great. The, the light turns off and, and we, uh, we say, well, look how beautiful it is. Look how pretty it is. Look how nice it is. Um, it, it has all this structure and form and, and it's beauty. And uh, we, we can become like a decorative uh, chandelier. Yeah, yeah, sure, it looks nice, but it certainly isn't serving its purpose. If we are full of the light, then we can become that light, like Jesus says. Don't just be a decorative chandelier. Be full of the light. And no longer walk in darkness. We can go ahead and turn those lights back on. No longer walk in darkness. If you have never met God, and you're stuck in the darkness, I, I'm, I want to call to you that, that Jesus is the light. You can meet him. Jesus is the light. You can meet him. If you have encountered God, but for some reason you have stepped back into the darkness, you've been tricked, you've been lied to, I, I want to encourage you to step back into the light. If you've gone on your own free will back into the darkness, step back out. It's not worth it to hide in, inside. It's not worth it to hide in the darkness. No, step out into the light. Feel the sunlight on your skin again. Feel the glory of the Lord again. And, and live, really live. And if you have seen the great light and you're living in it, praise God. But also there are brothers and sisters who are stuck. There are brothers and sisters who are stuck in, in, this, in this halfway existence where, 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 yeah, they've seen him, but they're not, they're stuck again. And, and sometimes it's, it's the fault of their own that they have gone back, but sometimes it is, a, it is a deep and spiritual battle. Sometimes it's things like depression and anxiety. And sometimes it's Satan and his schemes binding people so help them. Being the body of Christ means that if one part of us hurts, then, then we hurt as well. So help them. If uh, you're new to the Christian faith, uh, I, I want to ask you, are you looking for someone to defeat the dark? Um, especially when, when you look at the world that, that is full of so much... Uh, so many dark things. Are you looking for something that's going to conquer that? I think you know by now 
that we think we know who the one who defeats the dark is. Meet him. Meet him. And uh, if you know Jesus already, my question to you is, who can you share with the light? Who can you share the light with today? How about tomorrow? How about the next day? If you really are full of the light, then, then where you step now becomes the light of life to people around you. And you can invite them to be filled with that same light. We're going to invite the worship team to come up and um, we're going to respond with a song. We have an opportunity to sing, to pray, um, to, to think, to, to, to allow God to minister to my spirit, um, to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord, if you are the light of the world and you say that I am the light of the world, then what am I supposed to do? God, because he wants, he wants to secure an identity within you that says, come what may, life is, is going to be okay because I have God. If I am with God, if he has me and I have him, then whatever else happens, I'm Okay. And God wants to invite you into that. He wants to remind you of his identity. Allow him to do that. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to show you how he wants you to step forward, to step out. And to be used by him in new ways. So let me pray for us and we'll sing together. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, that you are the light of the world, God. I thank you that that God, you have been the light forever. And you promised your Messiah to be the light, and here he is, God. And we know him, and we thank you, Lord. Help us to be children of the light. Help us to be those who desire to be in the light and refuse to walk in darkness any longer. Lord, help us. Help us to know you more, God. Help us to draw other people to know you more. We love you, Lord. We pray all this, that you would be glorified through us, Lord. And we pray it in the precious name of your Son, who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen.